0: Welcome back to another episode of the Format Podcast. Got a pretty cool show for you here today. Got a uh, guest we haven't had in a while, but uh, with the NFL draft rapidly approaching, we've got former NFL scout Daniel Kelly on to join us and uh, talk about his top 32 players in uh, this upcoming draft. All right, so look forward to that and uh, should be a good one if you're a football fan. All right, but before we do that, you know what we got to do. Let's go ahead and uh, make sure we click that subscribe, that like, and that notification bell so you can always be aware when new shows come out. If you want the audio-only version of the podcast, go ahead, open up your audio-only podcast platform, type in the format podcast, do a little search. We should come up. Make sure you subscribe there. If you enjoy the content, give us that five-star review, and make sure you leave a comment either on your audio podcast platform or right here on YouTube. Helps us find more sports fans, helps us... more sports fans find us and here we go let's get right to it all right and joining us today special guest uh back for the second time is a former nfl scout with the new york jets and uh now uh author owner of uh firstroundmock.com daniel kelly daniel thanks so much for joining the show again how you doing today man
1: Hey, I'm doing really well, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me back on. I must have done well last time for you to have me back on. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I've I've really been looking forward to this, actually. And um, this is this is really your wheelhouse now. And this is something I've been waiting for to to do with you this particular show and uh to share with the listeners and the viewers and um really break down uh your top 32 uh players coming out in this draft. So the first thing I want to ask you, Daniel, um This is a time of year where everyone goes nuts over mock drafts. I got a good friend. He absolutely loves mock drafts. Like every, we're on a text thread together and every mock draft that comes out, he's posting it. So a lot of people love that, but you don't do a mock draft. You just do actual player evals. Tell me why you don't do a mock draft and why you just keep it to the evaluations.
1: Well, I'm somebody that still hasn't won the Powerball. Uh, in terms of in terms of a lottery. So right. I, I can't pick six numbers, right, let alone 32. Uh, so, That's a great answer. So, absolutely. So, you know, it, it's you know, I, I think I've, I've done I did a mock last year, a first round mock for SI Jets uh, when I was uh, writing for them. And, uh, you know, I, I think to me it was kind of an epiphany that you know i got kind of tired of people telling me that i was wrong about this wrong about mm-hmm. that when the actual evals were correct but then because a the guy went to one team when i said he would go to a different team the whole you know they kind of threw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak <laughs> so 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 it, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen on draft day and, and i have a a good friend named ken Bex who really you know kept talking about value First round value, and eventually mm-hmm. I kind of caught on to what he was talking about. He wrote for firstroundmock.com for a while before he went back uh, to his own site, uh, the right right for, for his own uh, draft site. So, uh, you know, it really kind of got me thinking uh, that you know what, uh, you know, I'm going to put together a board much like the NFL does, uh, mm-hmm. much like the Jets did. Uh, it, it's a board where you know it's based on value. Uh, based on what the game film says, so my, my and FirstRoundMock.com, uh, we're a little bit different than every other first round mock in in the country from that standpoint. And we're also different than every other first-round mock uh, in the country from the standpoint that everything we do at firstroundmock.com is founded on the game film. Uh, we've provided fans with the links to the actual games that we have evaluated, bringing the fans a better experience so they can see for themselves what we're talking about. Versus a lot of these mock drafts, it's just a one-liner with no no foundation. You know, okay. it's not saying you know where we saw this or what we see this against. And and I feel like the fans um, you know deserve a better experience which was part of the reason for the whole creation of firstroundmock.com is just giving fans a better better view of you know not only what the opinion is but you know the thinking behind the opinion
0: got you so um just to give uh give the the viewers and the listeners of the format podcast a kind of idea of your professional days when it comes to the scouting community um you have had the benefit of scouting for one of the best talent evaluators uh, arguably in NFL history and Bill Parcells and, and one of the best coaches of all time, arguably the best coach in Bill Belichick. Tell me a little bit about what that was like working with those guys who are clearly geniuses in, in their field.
1: It was incredible, uh, Bruce. It, it was just I learned so much, mm-hmm. you know, from the both of them. I also had the benefit of working with uh, Mr. Dick Haley. Uh, God rest his soul. He recently passed away. Uh, he was the architect of the Pittsburgh Steelers dynasty in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. The guy that okay. drafted Terry Bradshaw, Mean Joe Green, Lynn Swan, you know, wow. uh, Jack, you know, Jack Ham, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in addition to to Coach Parcells and Coach Bilichek on staff with the Jets when I was in pro scouting, I also had the privilege of working with uh, uh, Scott Pioli uh, and also Mike Tannenbaum. Uh, okay. and, and so, you know, having an opportunity to work with the collectively with that group, I mean, we had a Hall of Fame staff. A lot of the young guys I worked with at the Jets have gone on to become GMs. I was on staff with, the, you know, Brian Gain, who was the GM down with the Houston Texans. Uh, JoJo Wooden, uh, who's a director of player personnel for, for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Chris Shea, who's who's a you know an executive with the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I helped train in. Uh, so so there's a lot of these guys that kind of you know gave me a, a big picture perspective what it was like. Uh, it was like uh, working at a well-oiled machine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, a- a- everything had a place. Everything had had a time. And, um, you know, in, in the cornerstone of the Jets organization with these gentlemen, what was information gathering. Uh, So so the old saying around the Jets building was, you know, uh, you know, we're in the information gathering business, gather it but never give it. Uh, And so so I I really learned (laughs) from those guys that every single piece of information is valuable in the Mm -hmm. evaluation process. Uh, so so that's why a lot of times, you know, the game film is is key. Uh, there's also other components that go into it. There's background research that goes into it. And just really kind of seeing get a feel for, you know, one of the I, I think the biggest thing I learned from Coach Parcells, uh, he had what was called a critical factors of scouting. He had six characteristics that he looked for in a player. And, and one of those characteristics was, is football important to him? Mm-hmm. and that was really key to me and that really kind of became ingrained in my mind as a young man and and because football was so important to me it really resonated with me and to me that's the really the number one difference between guys that make it in the NFL and guys who become busts is that want and that mm-hmm. want shows up on game film so that was really reinforced uh during my time with the Jets as well but it was just incredible being around those guys I stood there in my, my first uh, year in the NFL, I got a chance to stand in the uh, doorway, uh, kind of the uh, war room. I didn't have a chair, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right, but,
1: right. But, but but it was just incredible being in that atmosphere mm-hmm. and and seeing everything that went into the you know the evaluation process and the decision making process and kind of seeing how the draft boards were lined up and and just uh, another big thing I learned from Scott Pioli uh, was in our pro department he always had an either uh, with a grade he would put on a player. but he would have either an arrow going up, meaning the player was ascending on Mm -hmm. game film, an arrow going sideways, meaning the player had plateaued in terms of a ceiling, or an arrow going down, showing the players on decline. So I really learned a lot about grading. Uh, I learned a lot about, um, uh, you know, being able to assess if a player was ascending or descending or they had plateaued. Uh, You know, there was a lot of things that um, I learned there that, that, you know, I look back at in my own evaluating process now on firstroundmock.com that really uh, had a, I, I played a key role in my development as a talent evaluator.
0: Outstanding. So uh, before we get into your evaluations, quick question coming off of that. Um, we did mention that uh, Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest coach of all time and one of the most detailed process oriented guys in the history of the game. Um, he hasn't had particularly great success in terms of drafting especially at the skilled positions if you could make a quick comment as to why you think that is
1: I think there's a, a degree perhaps of of almost you know maybe overthinking things a, a little too mm, much okay. um he, he is so analytical and so brilliant yes um and and the thing I love about coach Bilichek is he's really given me a vision for how I plan and hope to run an NFL team myself one day. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what he did was, uh, back in 1989, I believe when the old commissioner, uh, Paul Tagabu came out and said, you know, no more dynasties in the NFL. We're going to expand from 28 to 32. What once was your, you know, uh, your third string quarterback is now a starter. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 idea was that any, you know, any given team can win on any given Sunday. Um, and, and so what, what, you know, the, the geniuses of, you know, of what we see in Bill Belichick and also when he brought Scott Pioli along with him, who is my boss for two years, my first two years in the league in the pro department, was they were able to to beat that system. And how they beat that system is, you know, much like I talked about with Bill Parcells with the critical factors of scouting, Bill Belichick and Scott Pioli, you know, they basically, um, you know, put together, you know, this is what we want. There's four, five, six characteristics that are non-negotiable that we wanted a Patriot player okay so it's kind of interesting so my mentor Lionel Vitella, who was their top scout the first two Super Bowls uh, what, what he told me is that you know after that first Super Bowl victory for the Patriots you know every team in the league has like 300 guys 400 guys on the draft board mm-hmm. well after that first Super Bowl uh, coach Bilichek had 75 on his board mm-hmm. A- after the second Super Bowl that went down to like 45 after the third Super Bowl he had like Thirty players on his on his draft board. I'm not talking about first round board. I'm right. talking about on this board. And wow. those were those. Now that doesn't mean the other two, three, four players aren't going to play professional football. Mm. What it means is they're not going to play for Coach Belichick for the New England <laughs> right. <in> Patriots. Right. <laughs> and because the, and, and that's how we've seen over the years. We've kind of seen this kind of evolve where the Patriots keep on winning no matter who's there. A lot yeah. of times um, right. they say the you know, players are all interchangeable. The coaches all move on. The GM, you know, Nick Cesario, uh, Scott. Mm. Mm -hmm. everybody else moved on but the Patriots kept winning um you know so so that's that's kind of the interesting thing that I learned from him um you know and and I think at this point he's going through an adjustment period if I had to guess but I tell you what the last person in the world I would ever bet against is is Bill Belichick
0: I agree wholeheartedly all (laughs) right so let's get let's get to it then And we're going to talk a little bit about um, each player in in your top 32 and uh, how you came up with the eval and the the positioning that you uh, put him in. So uh, no further ado, let's go. Number one overall, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, Georgia. Tell me a little bit about him and, and why you've got him as the best player in this draft.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he's faced a lot of offseason scrutiny. It seems mm-hmm. like uh, there's a lot going on swirling around him, but no question, um, you know, two, you know, two years ago when I looked at Georgia and I was looking at their defensive players that were coming out, the Trayvon Walkers and, and, and all that, you know, Nekobe Dean and everybody on that mm-hmm. defense, the one player that stood out to me on that defense was Jalen Carter. Um, You know, and I went back and went back and started looking at guys this last year, uh, you know, off this last year's film, Jalen Carter was there again. This guy is a man amongst boys, not only on the football field, but also in terms of his draft class. Uh, You know, Bruce, there's two, three, four, five, six, seven plays in every single game I've watched where he just takes over the game.
0: Mm, uh, he, okay. he
1: just uh, he can throw around a 300-plus pound offensive lineman the way a little kid throws around stuffed animals in the room. Yeah. I mean, the, the power and the explosiveness. Now, it's not every play. Okay, that's one thing at first-round mock. We don't just focus on the positive. We don't just focus on the negatives. We, mm-hmm. we, we bring a balanced uh, a look and a view at, at the players. And, and, and it's not every play. Okay. there's there's some plays you look at and you're like, wow, what's you know, that doesn't look too good. But but there's those 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 handful of plays every game where it's just you see this raw brute power this mm-hmm. hall of fame level i mean level power wow. okay. um it, it, i mean when i look at him i see alan page the minnesota vikings hall of famer and, you well, know that's there's a,
0: that's a heck of a cop i was gonna ask you who your <laughs> comp was for that that is that's
1: something. always been my comp absolutely he, he just he has this you know like you know when someone bench presses weights it, he has this this ability at times where it's just like Oh, like it's just right. and, the, and the offensive lineman just jolts back, okay. and you see this incredible explosive power. He has a signature lightning fast swim move. Good mm. luck to NFL guards against this swim move. I mean, guards are not that agile. They're not that fast. That's why they're not offensive tackles. If Peter Skronsky's listening, let's 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 turn up the volume, okay? Because it, it's 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 this this quick lightning fast swim move into the pocket, and and, and I tell you, with, with that size. And with his tenacious attack uh, mm. in, in those situations, it's not that far of a distance from defensive tackle to the quarterback's face, and, Boy, man, and the, you, you know, man. right, right there, right there, he just blows up that pocket. So you know, I mean, this is a guy that, to me, is a centerpiece. Of a Super Bowl champion defense, this is a guy okay. that you build around, and uh, you know I can't say enough good things about him. Okay. I mean, in reality, if people want to dig for skeletons, they'll find him in almost every prospect right. in the draft, right. right? And so, so I feel like there's an unfair scrutiny right now to Jalen Carter, and while some teams potentially could be taking him off the board, if I'm a general manager, I I, I run the card to the podium. I don't walk. I don't take trade calls. I run to the podium. This is the best player in the 2023 NFL draft. He's gonna be the best defensive tackle in the National Football League. Prepare yourselves for Jalen Carter to take over.
0: Awesome, you sound very high on him. And I'll just tell you with that description, I am waiting to see him match up against my guy, Quentin Nelson.
1: Yes, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> That's gonna be
0: a battle in the trenches. All right, so let's uh, let's go on to your number two uh, overall eval. Uh, Bryce Young, quarterback. University of Alabama. Now, quick note, um, for those of you who missed it last time Daniel was here, I found this very interesting. He had a very low grade on Bryce Young, but after uh reevaluating at the end of this season, Bryce Young made a huge jump. Tell me uh, why he made such a great jump for you and why he's now your QB1.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is the greatest one-year jump I've seen since I started evaluating 30 years ago, uh, I, I, I had a CFL grade if you're with last time we talked i'm I'm bryce young Mm -hmm. i mean the the three games i looked at 2021 i was like there's no chance he looked jittery in the pocket Mm -hmm. he looked like he needed large throwing windows to complete passes i'm like this guy doesn't stand a chance plus his size and everything else I, i i i gave him you know i thought it was like a seventh round pick looking at 2021 uh in terms of like when i say that I mean, how does the skill set translate to what we've seen work and succeed in the National Football League, right? Right. That's when when I say that. So I go back and I look at 2022 game film, it's a different guy. Uh, he has complete command of the pocket. He looks like Houdini back there. His, <laughs> yeah, ball, his ball placements become so much better. Um, and this is a recent change at firstroundmock.com with, with, with Bryce Young being elevated on my, my board to QB1 because since August 30th, since I started this journey, uh, CJ Stroud's been my QB1 all along. Uh, but but there's a couple few variables that i saw in 2022 when i put stroud and young side by side that i said you know what this is the guy um you know for one his i I think when it comes to um you know compensating for the deficiencies on a top 10 team uh, in terms of offensive line uh, young's ability to create and extend plays on his feet um, is gonna. I, I'm not concerned about young size. I'm concerned about any defense in the NFL being able to not, you know, with their tongue sticking out, be able to keep up with Bryce Young. Because here's the thing. To me, he's a modern day Fran Tarkenton, and and what I've seen on 2022 game film. Because because it's it's it, he's not only is he very instinctual, and not only is his ball placement become more on point. Uh, not only does he see the field extremely well. Plus, he has a knack for for kind of finding that open receiver in the coverages, but I don't care if it's Sauce Gardner or or you know any of these these elite corners in the NFL. And, and I love Sauce Gardner, my, my CB1. I compared it, to, you know, Champ Bailey pre-draft. But listen, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi, that's a long time for anybody yeah, to yeah. cover any receiver in the National Football League. So mm-hmm. that's what I think that Bryce Young is going to bring to an NFL team. And to me, and I'm going to put this out there, Bryce Young has the greatest potential of any quarterback I've seen in the last forty years to have be able to come in and turn around a struggling franchise very quickly.
0: Fair enough. All right, so let's go to uh, number three, quarterback C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State University. This is the guy I like a lot. This is the guy I would have as QB one. Tell me, uh, tell me why you flip flopped him, and uh, what you, what you see from uh, C.J. Stroud going forward. Last time we talked, you had very high praise for him as well.
1: And I still do. I mean, a flip of a coin. Either way, the teams that get these two individuals are in great shape. Um, you know, the, the reason why I flipped them is I, I thought that Bryce Young was a little bit more instinctual. I, mm-hmm. I think CJ Stroud is a little bit more mechanical. Um, and, and also, I can see that. too yeah for sure and also number two is that i I, you know when i watched bryce young play from from behind on the scoreboard he looked the same as when he looked when he was ahead cj stroud struggled a little bit when he was behind on the scoreboard in terms of his ball placement and also in terms of his composure so when i look at those two things when i think they'll, they'll both those individuals going to to really the worst teams in the nfl uh when i say worst i mean in terms of their 2022 record mm-hmm. to me that's why young has a better chance i feel to turn around the organization slightly not by much but slightly than cj stroud but listen I'm certainly not going to rain on the parade when it comes to CJ Stroud. Okay. To me, right. I have comped him to a, a modern-day Warren Moon. Uh, Which this, is incredible.
0: This is, that is an incredible I, comp.
1: <laughs> and you know what's funny about it is I when you know because these names go through my mind as I'm watching the film and I just write them down. Right. Mm-hmm. What's amazing is I found out the other day when I put out an article on firstroundmock.com is that CJ Stroud's dad used to show him clips of Warren Moon as a youngster. That's wow. that was interesting. Someone brought that to my attention on yeah. social media, so that confirmed my comp uh, to me. Uh, I mean, this is a a rookie that has a, a feel of a ten year veteran, an incredible air of maturity about him. He has the temple of a point guard in basketball. The rhythm and temple is something we don't talk about enough mm. in, the, in the evaluating community, in my my you know uh, opinion, and it's the ability to keep. An offense moving at a steady and consistent pace down the field Mm -hmm. and and get everybody on the same page. A lot of these quarterbacks don't have that ability that to me, a quarterback's like a drummer. A Stroud has a a temple of a point guard. He brings an excellent temple to an offense. Incredible, excellent pre-snap and post-snap uh, quick play recognition. He processed what he's seeing extremely quickly. Another reason I feel that he's going to turn around a, a team with a struggling record is that um, he has a fast enough release time in an NFL—you know—a a game where the average release time is 2.5 seconds in mm-hmm. the pocket. He has that to him. He makes—he he sees what he, he knows what he's looking at. He has an incredible ability to manipulate safeties and understand where the safeties are lining up. Time after time in the games during the, you know, when the TV announcer was talking about CJ Stroud, they would talk about, okay, he reads the safety coming downhill. He knows he's got one-on-one coverage on the outside. Boom, he hits he hits the receiver for a touchdown in the end zone. He's able to move around safeties and, and, and defenders. His eyes, he's got that you hear this only with ten-year vets, how they, they're able to look off safeties mm-hmm. and move safeties with their eyes. Right. He can do that. Gives him an incredible advantage coming into this. Um, my affectionate nickname for C.J. Stroud, the human jugs machine. You know, that that machine yeah, that, that spits out footballs at practice? Yeah. That's him. He's just, you know, and, and, and the ball placement. My gosh, the ball placement is incredible. I'd be standing on a table for C.J. Stroud if, if he was on the board. It was my team, you know, turn turn the pick because the ball placement's on point. That's different than completion ratio. I'm talking about the ability to put the ball right where it needs to be, mm-hmm. you know, right, right, right there. Right. I saw this in Mac Jones coming out of Alabama. That's why he was runner-up rookie of the year his first year with the Patriots, is the ability to put the ball right where it needs to be for the receivers to have optimum you know, opportunity to, to extend plays with yards after the catch. And he throws so well to all three route levels, short, intermediate, and deep. This guy has everything you would want uh, in a quarterback just about. And uh, I can't say enough good things about C.J. Stroud
0: got you so um before we move on to uh number four um two of your first three top evals or quarterbacks we know quarterback is the most important position in the game and maybe in sports period but there's a couple of uh quarterbacks who are pretty polarizing that spoiler alert for the rest for watchers and listeners um you have not included in your first 32 and and real quick Just give us an idea why you left out Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. What's the deal with that? Those guys are very polarizing in terms of what the scouting and NFL communities think about them
1: absolutely you know and i only go by what the game film says i, mm-hmm. I keep my ego and and bias and i don't know who these guys even are when i turn them on on film I, so it's it's nothing personal it's whatever mm-hmm. they put on game film they're the ones making their football resumes all i do like a court reporter is just write down the information yeah. and, and I'm, I'm not just looking for the one off when i evaluate uh, Bruce, but I'm I'm looking for for patterns and, and tendencies over over a long period of time that keep showing up. And in the, the to start with with Will Levis. There's there's a couple three four things in the NFL which which I call kisses of death. These are these are you know cardinal sins. These are things that you cannot do. These are things that do not translate to success in the National Football League. And Will Levis does all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know so so that that's a huge problem. Number one, uh, when he drops back in the pocket, uh, he's he's very tentative. Um, When he's looking around, he's very tentative. Um, You know, you you see a lot of times you you see the elbow go back and come back before he makes a decision to throw the ball. Um, You know, that's, that's a big thing. He has absolutely positively no feel for pressure in the pocket at all. Um, he doesn't see even an open face blitz i, I posted something on twitter about a month ago where an open face i call it an open face sandwich yeah. you know it, 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 the blitz is coming right at him off a right-handed quarterbacks coming off his side smashes him right in the mouth didn't even see it um no feel for pressure whatsoever can't get all the way has next to no mobility whatsoever that's another big big problem um and and, and also too is that he has um he has a tendency to really hard stare, um, you know, receivers, like like two people to like each other in a bar, right? He just, he, he, <laughs> lo- <laughs> he right. locks in, he locks yeah. in and he, and he just, you know, he just stares at, at these receivers down, mm-hmm. you know, that's sports center material right there for for cornerbacks. Uh, corners are so instinctive, they're so athletic; they can break on passes so quickly that if you're staring at the receiver before you throw it, you're not looking off, you're not going through your progressions, you're just staring at the guy, uh, that's going to be a real problem as well. Another big... Problem. It doesn't translate to success in the National Football League. Is he has erratic downfield ball placement, which is represented by the fact that he had a forty-five to twenty-six touchdown interception ratio at Kentucky. Um, You know, when I look at that kind of touchdown interception ratio in college, the thing I ask myself is, how does this translate to the National Football League? It doesn't. Mm -hmm. This is why what we saw in you know Zach Wilson to me to me if I right now today. If I had a choice, if I was sitting in a war room, if I had a choice before trading for Zach Wilson or drafting Will Levis, I would trade for Zach Wilson. And even though I didn't like Zach Wilson, gave him a third round grade coming out. Why? Because Zach Wilson at least has mobility that's, that Will Levis doesn't okay. have. Okay. You know, so when you're looking at a top 10 team again, you know, because the the, the pressure that goes into this, I mean, I have a seventh round grade on Will Levis. Okay, that the pressure that goes into this with these guys coming to situations, when you take those tendencies, you take the tendency, can't feel the rush. Um, locks in with receivers. Doesn't mm-hmm. see. Doesn't see opposing cornerbacks. He's so he's so zoned into his receivers. Uh, someone who's tentative in the pocket. Someone it gives a tell when he's going to throw the ball, where he's going to throw it to. It, it, all these things, plus the erratic downfield ball placement. There's nothing I've talked about to translate the success of what we've seen in the National Football League gotcha. in, in the 40 years I've been watching it. And, and okay. so I, I don't. I don't see any chance. I have a 100% bust rate on Will Levis.
0: And give me a quick wrap on Anthony Richardson. Um, we've heard. Uh, that he may have the, the greatest upside of any quarterback in the draft. He's a physical freak, but what's uh what's holding you back from uh giving him this this first round Eval?
1: Well, right. Well we've heard that from a lot of people who have never stepped foot in the National Football League. <laughs> it's you know a lot of people around the league that, that talk about Anthony Richardson uh and talk about these incredible traits that he has, supposedly. Mm-hmm. But the but in, yeah. in, 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 and, and let me say this, in all fairness to Anthony Richardson, because he, he, is, he does have you know really good athleticism. He, he does have a very strong arm. And remember, we keep the reports balanced at first-round mock. He does look the part where he's initially setting up in the pocket. Uh, he has good ball-handling skills initially when he's going play-action. That's where it ends for me. Uh, because, it, it, yes, he can put together an incredible highlight tape that's gonna sell a lot of season tickets. But Mm -hmm. the name of the game is winning. And and what I've done, Bruce, is I've gone back and looked at the full body of work. I've looked at almost every single game he's played in 2022, minus like two or three games. And I looked at one of his games on 2021. I've looked at 10, 11 games on on Anthony Richardson. And and when you look at the full body of work, um, he's he's kind of like we saw with Trey Lance. He's an athlete first who's trying to play quarterback. That's mm. the first problem. And how? what do I mean by that? Well, anytime things start to break down for Anthony Richardson in the pocket, his first instinct is not to throw, but it is to run. That's mm. why I make that statement. Uh, he, he struggles a lot with pressure, whether it's pressure in his face or it's pressure of a game situation. He'll throw two, three, four. What were you thinking passes in every single game? Very dangerous passes. Another thing about him. I touched on this earlier about release time. Average release time in the NFL is 2.5 seconds. He tends to hold the ball too long. We've seen how that's worked out for Trey Lance in San Francisco. Right. When you hold the ball 3.2, 3.5 seconds, nothing works in the National Football League. He does that. So a lot of times when everybody's all in awe of him running around and all this, to me, he's only creating his own drama because he's not able to process. We talked about, you know, CJ Stroud processes things mm-hmm. very quickly. Anthony Richardson does not show game film that he can process what he's seeing downfield quickly enough in order to make a decision to throw the ball which puts him in running situations how many running, you know, running quarterbacks have we seen last in the National Football League who right. are just exclusively runners? Trey right. Lance is banged up all the time, right? Mm-hmm. We saw what happened to RG three. Now, somebody, we see what happened to Justin Fields, even the times that he's run, uh, and, and he's very and Lamar Jackson too, right? We, we've seen the more the running quarterbacks. What happens to them is that they have a much more of, of, of a tendency, and they're more prone to being injured. On top of it, um, you know, and, and it so it's all those things to me about Richardson. They gave me extreme pause about him because again, somebody who who can't make or doesn't show the ability to make quick decisions at the college level, how are they going to do it at the NFL level where the game is much faster and much more complex? And then I look at the fact that Anthony Richardson has never completed in high school or at the college level over a full body of work his entire time in high school, he completed about 53, under 54% of his passes. Let's put it that way. And in, in, in college, last year, he was at 53.8%. If you look at the last 10 years of data in the National Football League, what 53.8% completion ratio, you know, translates to, it's at the very bottom of the list amongst amongst starters. So, So all these things, so now you're gonna take him and put him into a situation potentially where he's gonna have all this expectation, all this pressure, all these things going on, this, this, is, what it, this is what aggravates me about overgrading. Uh, in, in the NFL, I, I think we did an incredible injustice to Trey Lance and also to Zach Wilson. I personally apologize to these guys on behalf of the league even though I'm not in it right now. <laughs> because, because to me, okay, Zach Wilson was a third-round talent. I mean, back you know, back when you and I grew up, right, that's where you mm-hmm. took quarterbacks that showed developmental upside. That's what the third round is for. Guys that show some things, but they need some things they got to work on before they right. start you don't draft those guys top five as a savior of an organization right. that was never that way when you and i came up um you know so, so and i had an undraftable free agent great on trade lance uh you know between a seventh round and undraftable great if the 49ers would have brought him in at that capacity and, and let him kind of develop and stuff and kind of come in with those trade packages and kind of learn the game, kind of adjust to the speed, the way a Jordan Love has had time behind Aaron Rodgers, uh, the kind of adjust to the game, the way Kyle Trask has had a couple of years to sit behind Kyle, you know, Tom Brady uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and absorb the game, the way Aaron Rodgers even had that opportunity behind Brett Favre for a couple of years to learn right. the game. Th- these guys need some time. Not only is the side of the football different when it comes to, you know, from college to pro, because the college ball regulation size is smaller than the NFL, but the game is so much faster and so much more complex. College kids don't have time to work on this 26 hours a day, eight days a week like the NFL does, right? right. So the complexity Absolutely. of the game is, you know, you think you see man, but it's man's own concept combined. It's such an adjustment period, and then these guys go into these terrible situations. They get basically just crushed not only physically, but also emotionally, their confidence goes down the drain. And and so, yeah, I I think that, you know, all the talk about, I I wrote an article on firstroundmock.com. I don't even think it's fair that we're talking about Anthony Richardson in the first round. I think a fifth round grade is where I put him. That's what his game film dictates that he should have. Mm -hmm. And if somebody were to give him a chance in that round, he could kind of come along without the pressure and the expectations, and he, he could develop, have a lot better chance of developing than coming in there as the savior of an organization.
0: Fair enough, all right. So um, let's get back to the uh, first round evals. Your first round mock, as we say. Um, number four, Nolan Smith, linebacker, University of Georgia.
1: I'm fired up about Nolan Smith. To, to me, he's got more upside than Michael Parsons with the Dallas Cowboys. And wow. and I, I that's what I think of him. I haven't seen a linebacker, okay, with this kind of combination of this kind of speed, this kind of ability to adjust in the pocket and this kind of closing ability since Lawrence Taylor. And I've been watching the game that long. Uh, to, to me, it's, it's in plus with Nolan Smith, you don't you don't get the uh, the constant running of the mouth right the constant the constant conversation that Micah Parsons like to generate and also Micah Parsons takes half the plays off every game on game film Nolan Smith doesn't do that as well it's it's it, it, Nolan Smith is a guy who you know standing up coming off the edge, Uses his first, he has a very fast first step. That's the first thing I want to illustrate. Second thing is, he uses his hands exceptionally well. He's an accomplished pass rusher with a full toolbox of pass rush moves. Uh, he can bring it. He has enough speed to win the back door against the offensive tackles, or he can slip back and bring it back to the inside. This is a guy, Nolan Smith, who creates a lot of pressure and a lot of disruption. And that's what it's all about when it comes to today's pass happy NFL.
0: There we go. All right. Number five, Kalijah Cansey, defensive tackle pit.
1: Love him. I'd send him a Valentine's Day card if I could. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kalijah Kansi. I'm getting this guy's jersey when I when I can to wear it around town. Uh, this, to me, is a modern-day Warren Sapp. That's uh, what got Warren, me, and
0: I definitely wanted to get you on that. Um, that is obviously a Hall of Fame comparison, uh, Warren Sapp. But tell us a little bit about uh, why you think, why you have him, uh, you know, why you're so high on uh, Kansi.
1: Absolutely, one of my absolute favorite players in the first round. Uh, let's put it this way: if Mike Tyson was a football player, he'd be Magic <laughs> <Elijah Cancy>. okay <laughs> uh, th- This guy's a pocket record. This guy plays like he means it. He- he's coming on every single play. He's tenacious. Uh, he- he's 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 a- he's vicious at the point of attack. These, these are key words that get thrown around the NFL war room. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's got violent hands at the point of attack. He draws a lot of double teams. He draws a lot of attention. Teams are scared of him. Uh, he, he's a guy that's, that's in a four. He, he has the ability. He has the pure brute power and strength to be an authoritative bull rusher. And what do I mean by that is he can take an offensive guard and he can drive him right back in skates, as we say right. in scouting, right, right back into the quarterback. Or he can press the gaps extremely hard too. He's athletic. Wow, is he athletic? He's got bend. This is not a this is not one of these stiff, rigid guys, you know, like, like a like a Will Anderson Jr. or a Brian Brzee or a Tyree Wilson. These guys are are stiff and rigid and have a hard time making quick adjustments. Kalija Kansi can make quick adjustments. He has that type of a bend in athleticism. He closes hard. He, he closes like like he wants it. He wants it. He's he's what I call quarterback minded. Meaning all he wants to do is get to the quarterback. This guy's not looking just to collect a check and just and just you know be be nine and eight. This this guy he he rushes a passer like he wants it. That's what we talked about earlier with that want. Uh, he sets the table very well. He keeps offensive guards guessing. So a lot of times you know there's some plays where he'll kind of take it easier. He'll do something else. To me he's he's setting the table and and boom, he, come, he comes in for the kill shot. Uh, he can smell vulnerability, uh, like, like you know, like like Michael Parsons talks about being a lion. He could smell that vulnerability from a mile away. He, he understands vulnerabilities. He, he understands where you know where, where where the way into the pocket may be. He's, he's solid against the run, uh, and he's a devastating hitter uh, who tries to knock people's teeth out. That's where I come up <laughs> with my T- Tyson comparison. Mm-hmm. This guy, this guy hits you like like he means it, um, okay. you know. And, and he, he, to me, he's a he's a culture changer. This is when when this terminology, you know, that 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 I've developed is is that he's a guy you bring in and he changes things. He's infectious. It, the way he plays the game is infectious. He raises other people's level of play around him. It's what I mean by that. He raises, he moves the meter. Uh, he's a guy that 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 is just. It, it's yeah. I, I can't say enough good things about Kalijah Cansey. Uh, he's severely underrated. Uh, severely flying under the radar right now. People are wasting their time talking about Will Anderson Jr. Kalijah Cansey is a guy that we should be talking about because. Below Jalen Carter, I mean, as far as defensive linemen are concerned, mm-hmm. they're right. They're right there. Those two guys okay. are right, right there, neck and neck.
0: Good stuff. So uh, natural talent combined with outstanding defensive coaching in college with Pat Narduzzi. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what it comes out to be on the next level. All right, number six, Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback, Mississippi State, and I see a Sauce Gardner comparison. Tell me about yes. That.
1: Yes, absolutely. Emmanuel Forbes, the closest thing to Sauce Gardner in the 2023 NFL draft. And I'm a guy that had Sauce Gardner as my CB1 heading in the 2022 draft. I comped him to Champ Bailey. Mm -hmm. I, I came out in May in an article in Sports Illustrated Jets saying that Sauce Gardner would be the best corner in the NFL this season. Uh, not just rookie, but the best corner. Right, right. Um, and, and so so when I look at Emmanuel Forbes, uh, he, he's, he's another one of my very favorites because he's a playmaker. Uh, he, he's a guy that had 14 interceptions, 22 passes defended to confirm the film. I'm not a stats scout like people accuse me of sometimes, <laughs> but the stats... The stats a lot of times will confirm the evaluation. They'll confirm the game film. And In, in Forbes situation, they've confirmed it. Uh, and, and, and that any criticism anybody has out there about Emmanuel Forbes' size, listen, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter what size you are. You know, it's like Elijah Kansas talked about. You know, w- about the comparison of sizes and all this kind of thing. When, you know, when you're out there, I mean, Emmanuel Forbes has gone up against every size receiver there is in mm-hmm. college football, and he's held his own. Um, he, he's, he's a ball hawk who loves to bait quarterbacks. If you don't believe me, ask Will (laughs) Levis. He's got good straight line speed. He's flexible. He excels in press, man. That's that's what I love about him. He he wants to come right up on, on receivers and let them know that he's right there and he's gonna be there all day long. Uh, he has the ability, an excellent ability to 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 mirror the receivers almost like two people dancing on a dance floor. Every move the receiver makes, he makes. Uh, excellent at maintaining route leverage, um, you know, being able to stay with the receivers. Uh, he uses the boundaries like Sauce Gardner did at Cincinnati mm-hmm. as a friend, as a An friend extra defender. Yep. Yeah. extra defender. He'll press the receivers against mm-hmm. the boundary real hard. Uh, he, he's somebody that that, you know, he has that coveted must have. Short area burst, I feel, of a top 10 corner in the draft. It's a prerequisite for playmakers the ability that extra little gear, that little jump and speed when the ball's in the air. Boop. He just, he's right, he's right there. He can make that little jump and speed towards the ball. He's got those big old long arms that he can reach in there and, you know, get the ball battered away or intercepted. Uh, This guy is, is, you know, and for anybody who criticizes his size, watch Emmanuel Forbes come downhill on, on on a wide receiver bubble or a screen he will flat out thump people. Uh, he comes uh-huh. up and he hits He hits as hard as, as, as Clyde Jekyll does and, and his size. I mean, he doesn't have the same impact, right. but he brings it. He, there's no back down in Emmanuel Forbes, which I love. Uh, he's demonstrative. Another guy, I'm getting his jersey. This guy's got the, the, the thing that you need. You need that confidence. You're on an island. He's got swag. He's got that. His whole aura, when you watch the game film, And you can go on the site of firstroundmock.com. You can pull a report. You can watch this for yourself. There's just like like he has a clone on that that, that says confidence. Everything, just confidence oozes out of him.
0: So quick question for you before we uh, move on to number seven. Um, You've got an elite cornerback like that, but he still puts up numbers, 14 interceptions and 22 PBUs, as you mentioned. Why... Why are quarterbacks still throwing in his direction? And I say that to say the comp that you mentioned, Sauce Gardner. You literally saw him take number one receivers out of the game uh, a couple of years ago against Alabama in the uh, in the college football playoff. They would not even throw at Sauce Gardner. And this is the great Nick Saban, you know, and and Bill O'Brien, a quality NFL OC. You know that is the respect they had for him. So. What's missing that quarterbacks are still throwing at uh, Emmanuel Forbes enough for him to have the type of counting stats that he has?
1: That's a great question. Uh, you know, if I if I was to take an educated guess at it, I think it's a lack of respect mm-hmm. uh, that they've had for him. Uh, the interesting thing, to your point, when I watch Mississippi State play against Saban and play against Bryce Young, mm-hmm. they only threw at him one time. That that told oh, me there something. There you go. Okay. That told me that that told me something because I was curious of the same thing myself. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to see because level of competition is a key component to the evaluation yes. process. I wanted to see like, OK, this will be interesting. When I turn on the Alabama game, I'll say, are they going to try to victimize him and go at him or mm-hmm. are they going to stay clear of him? And the respect that Nick Saban showed him said, OK, yeah, that's 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 the guy. That's my right. CB1.
0: There we go. So let's go. Uh, number seven, that is A.T. Perry, wide receiver wake forest tell us about him
1: i love a.t perry and i'm 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 higher on him than anybody in america uh to me i look at this you know when i watch the game film uh kind of like i talked about before when a warren moon goes through my mind when i watch dj stroud or a fran tarkington when i watch bryce young when i watch a.t perry with that big size and frame he has i have thoughts of, of cd lamb go through my mind justin jefferson al toon Keyshawn, you know johnson does bryant these are the kind of names that go through my mind when i'm watching a.t perry play a.t perry is is the only true number one receiver i've seen in this draft that alpha receiver that you line up on the outside he's a dominant receiver to go with good size and speed that can and will stretch a defense Uh, he's got good athletic ability, strong hands, um, a criticism I have of him is he has an inconsistent release. Uh, he shows that he's able to release very well other times. He doesn't that that's, that's one of my concerns, but when he does decide to do it, he can easily achieve route leverage with his quick feet and his big frame no problem at all i love how crisp at perry is at the breakpoints of routes uh you know the, the route you know when the route at the top of the route when they change direction at perry has incredible athletic ability to change direction every bit of, of, of athletic ability is a josh downs or, or a jordan addison have that ability just you know the garrett wilson's of the world mm-hmm. you know that, that ability just to you know quickly you know just like that and and, and there's very few corners in the nfl outside of a sauce gardener and a few others that have the ability to mirror that they have that kind of like ability to mirror that change of direction that's where separation that's where throwing windows get created. Uh, A.T. Perry is incredibly crisp for a big man at the break point of the routes. He has fast get up and go from a stop position. Another thing I really like about him, and he bullies corners, okay? He swats away corners the way that you and I would swat at a fly in, in, <laughs> in the kitchen. You know what I mean? Like right. It's like a fly swatter. He's, get out of here. Get, get away from me. And, and, and he's a bully. I, I can't wait to see him just just, just dominate against, against NFL corners. Okay. Um, he's good. All, all three route levels, he's good. He can get deep. He's an emotional showboat. Uh, he's got that to him. He's an offensive player with a defensive mentality. I love A.T. Perry. He's on my Valentine's Day card list as well.
0: Good stuff. All right, number eight, Cody March, left tackle, North Dakota State. Obviously, love him. He didn't get to uh, line up against some of the best uh defensive competition. But what what stands out about him?
1: Well, it's interesting because every year there's a North Dakota State guy now. It seems, seems like that it way, gets, right? <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. Whether it's Trey Lance a couple years ago, mm-hmm. you know, or, or Christian Watson last year. Uh, I don't understand why Cody Monch is not getting the same kind of love this year in the draft uh, as those two received because he's got the best beat of any offensive tackle in this draft. Uh, it, it's and yes, when you're looking at North Dakota, you have to take that level of competition and a lower level of competition right. uh, into into consideration. But but it, it's just it's fun watching Cody Mock on, on game field because his his, his his footwork and his lateral foot speed on the outside is so fast and so coordinated. I never saw him even cross over his feet one time. Just he was just effortless watching. It was like taking a joystick in a video game and just controlling the guy moving up and. Down the pocket, um, you know he's he's incredibly versatile, which he's shown uh, at the uh, Senior Bowl. He can play very much all five positions on the offensive line, which I think is he brings more value to a team than anybody else in that capacity. He's he's tenacious, hardcore, want. This is a guy that shows that he wants to win. Uh, going back to that Bill Parcells, you know, critical factor of scouting. He wants it. He's incredibly athletic. He's able to maintain a real nice base, like I talked about, sliding out in complete control, has blocking leverage, uh, powerful upper body, handles spins and stunts and games with ease, uh, gets after it. This guy is, a, excuse my language, he's an ass-kicking run blocker. This guy, I mean, he's... he's he has no front teeth, even. He blocks people so hard. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he right. hits people so hard. Uh, he, he punishes linebackers, punishes defensive backs dominant pulling uh, offensive lineman. Uh, you know, a little little hit and miss once he's out there in space like most of them are except for the great ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this guy is everything you want an offensive tackle. He's not getting the love he should get at all. Uh, this guy, this guy is, is, you know, is leaps and bounds better than Skronsky, uh, better than, than uh, Paris Johnson Jr. on the edge. Wow. Uh, both those guys I questioned at the back door. Uh, Broderick Jones, he's much better than him in terms wow. Wow. Of his lateral footwork. Absolutely. This guy is incredible. And he brings that. It, this is the first guy you want off your bus. You want the guy with the, you know, the, 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 he comes out with the long hair, no front yeah. teeth. This is this is a tone center. This is this is a guy, you know, like like last year, Akeem Awanku uh, from North Dakota, North North Carolina State, who I loved, um, you know, kind of just a culture changer. Just a guy Mm -hmm. that has that that defensive mentality as an offensive player. I love Cody Munch. I I think he's going to show the world that he's he's by far and away the best left tackle in this draft.
0: Gotcha. Number nine, Anton Harrison, left tackle, Oklahoma.
1: Very similar to my quarterback comparison, you know, (laughs) the the give and take between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Mm -hmm. There's the same thing between Cody Mods and and Anton Harrison. Either way, you're in great shape if you get either one of these guys a left tackle. To me, I've compared Anton Harrison to Trent Williams 2.0 is what my affectionate nickname for him is. Uh, This guy is nimble at his size that that's that's a word you want to hear you want a Mm -hmm. dancing like a dancing 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 bear at left tackle that's him he's active long arms equally distributed upper and lower body power a nice wide base complete control blocking leverage in the pass setup and pass pro uh excellent recovery ability you know like what i mean is when you know a defensive end or an edge rusher takes him to the back door and then quickly moves back hard to the inside he can he can handle that no problem um he he handles stunts in games uh he handles fast athletic pass rushers he's shown that on game film uh excellent leverage and positional run blocker uh who stays off the ground a lot so he'll probably stay healthy that way that that's another another great sign and, and he looks and plays smart uh he, and he blocks like he means it this guy's not coming to collect a check this hmm. guy's coming in to win football games
0: there you go and uh last in the uh run of offensive linemen here number 10 osiris torrance right
1: guard florida Well, this guy's going to be a guy that's near and dear to your heart if you like Quentin Nelson. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely for uh, sure, because this is the most dominant guard to come into the NFL draft since Quentin Nelson. Okay. You know, came out of Notre Dame with, with the with the Colts, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let me start by saying 6'5", 347. Big boy. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely hasn't missed a meal. Uh, yes. and and, and uh, but 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 here's where it gets really radical for me and it gets really exciting because you got this great big size and this great big frame. He's like a like a refrigerator, like a stove in the kitchen, right? It's just mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Tough to move, need two, three men to help you move it. Uh, he's, He's got that. But also the he's, he's a big, quick man uh, who, who's got you know equally distributed power as well. He's just as strong in the upper body as the lower body. Uh, he excels both in pass and run blocking. You know, a really well-rounded, complete offensive guard. Offensive guards aren't fun. They're not sexy to take in the no. top ten. But no. trust me, this is a guy that's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's he's a, alert. His head's always on a swivel. He's always looking. Okay, my job is done. Okay, I'm coming to help you next. Uh, he, he does a lot of that. He's he's selfless in that capacity. He helps his teammates. He's good in combo blocks. It's nice, sturdy, wide base, like I talked about. That nice strong, rock solid, you know, lower body. Uh mm-hmm. good good hand usage. This is a big thing for guards, hand usage. He's got yeah. he's got control. He puts the, the hands on the inside, you know. Um, he, he's he's really a, a brick wall when it comes to pass pro. That that's what he is. Uh he handles stunts and games with ease. It basically, it causes him to yawn when he's in there. Uh, you know, he's somebody that's a tenacious positional run blocker uh he seals lanes up very very well for running lanes he can he's so strong he can get movement in short yardage situations which is critically important for goal line and short yardage situations just run behind behind uh, torrance uh he's excellent pulling he gets out in space no problem this guy uh, osiris torrance has all pro run all over him i love this guy he's he's gonna be a dominant it's gonna be when people talk about quentin nelson they're gonna talk about this guy in the same breath as the two best guards in the league in my opinion
0: there we go